Welcome to Around the Carousel, circling our industry for the OABA, the official podcast of the Outdoor Amusement Business Association, with your host, OABA's President and CEO, Greg Chico. Today, our guest is Scooter Keurig, Vice President of Client Relations from North American Midway Entertainment. Now reach on up for that brass ring and join us around the carousel. Scooter Greg Korak, how are you, my friend? Hey, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm doing really great. So, Scooter, this is only our second person that's uh, recording a podcast. We had our chair, Debbie Powers, on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just looking forward to our conversation today with you. Um, you kind of sit in a unique perch because you, you travel internationally. Uh, you're not a show owner, although you have a lot of responsibility with name and in particular with the international unit. So I, I think it kind of sheds a, a little bit different perspective on, on the industry. But Scooter, why don't you start off with, you know, tell us how you got involved in the industry and, and where, where, how's, how's it brought to you to where you are today? Well, I, uh, in 1977, I graduated from high school and I decided, well, I should go down to the Calgary Stampede and see if I can get myself a job, which I did. And I came back to work the next day. I was uh, working for the carnival. And uh, to begin with, I was helping out in the ticket office, and I was weighing tickets. And after the stampede was over, they asked me if I wanted to come up to Edmonton, where I am today. And I had some family up here, so I came and stayed with them, worked through Edmonton. And they invited me to come come along with them to the uh, Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto. So I followed them along, which was kind of ideal because uh, I was going to school in Toronto in that fall. I was registered in college in an arts course. So after the CD was over, they asked me if I wanted to come down or continue along with them. And I said, no, I had to go to school. So I went to school for two days and I thought to myself, well, you know, <laughs> this is a pretty good, this is a pretty great way. I get to travel and they're paying me pretty good. And there was all these girls. So I thought, you know, maybe I'd hang around these guys. So I uh, gave up on school and ended up in uh, actually in Springfield, Massachusetts and then with Little Rock. And then uh, one thing led to another. And here I am sitting here today. You know, I, I did a lot of things along my way. Uh, I was, uh, you know, pretty instrumental in the development of uh, the e-ticket system. I was the uh, regional controller for the company for many years. In 97, I got to be the vice president of Conklin Shows, which transformed into North American Midway when we changed hands in 2004. So when you first started, you were with Conklin then in the 70s? Yeah, we started with Conklin Shows. In the second year in Western Canada, actually, it was really super exciting time you know you know after royal had left canada and conklin shows was really making a big difference you know they were presenting a different type of carnival and it really paid off you know jim conklin and frank conklin had some pretty good vision that's for sure and no doubt about that and and uh maybe that was instrumental in your uh starting your travels because i know you're still pretty much a world traveler and uh enjoy your photographs from all over the world scoot so that must have start, been a starting point for you absolutely so let's get into the to the industry. I mean, again, you've you've been around a while. You're a veteran. I, you know, it's it's a, a very interesting industry because it's successful because it doesn't change. In other words, people go to the carnival. They have a great time. It's multi generational. You don't need to be on Facebook, although you might post your experiences on Facebook. Yet at the same time, we've had to remain contemporary. Um, give give me your perspective on that, and, and what are some of the larger challenges that that your company faces today? Well, 
I, I'm going to say that, you know, some of the big challenges, of course, labor is always top of mind. You know, the, uh, the temporary foreign worker program, the H2B program in the United States is the lifeline. And, you know, what's really changed, I think, a lot in the industry is customer service and safety. You know, that we, we really focused on that in 2004 when North American Midway was first developed. And, you know, we focus a lot with our staff and customer service and really good customer service and lots of staff. And I urge anybody in this industry, if they want to see some growth, the customer service is going to be the way to do it. But that's hard to do without, you know, good people behind you. And that's where the Temporary Foreign Worker Program in Canada and the H2B labor is, is so key to, you know, our success in the outdoor amusement industry. And it's really key to everything we do. Yeah, it's labor in general, not necessarily, you know, H2B is a big part of it, and foreign guest workers are certainly a big part of it, but uh, the labor piece and, and the customer service piece, I, I agree with you, are really the things that are dynamically changed in our industry, and, and we have to because we compete with industries for the entertainment dollar that they're all focused on customer service, so I, I think that's pretty much pretty much head on. You know, uh, uh, other challenges we all certainly have are, you know, rising costs and, and everything else, but all in all, I, I think we're having record years. How are you guys doing in Canada this year? Uh, it's been it, it's been really great. Well, in the United States, of course, we've played probably 50 dates there now, and they've all been really, really good. Of course, coming out of the pandemic, there's uh, pent-up demand. And also, there's the stimulus spending, which has really helped us. You know, in Canada, we just came out of... Uh, out of the really a lockdown phase here in Canada and Alberta, and we attended the Calgary Stampede. And I got I got to hand it to those guys down at the Stampede. They're real trailblazers, you know, for putting on an event, you know, especially under such uncertain times. And uh, they they put on a show, and guess what? It was good. It was very good, in fact. And today we're in Edmonton, and uh, we're riding the crest of the waves. There isn't anybody up here complaining today, so it's been it's been exceptionally good so far, especially in the United States. And we're really seeing really seeing a great change here in Canada now that we're coming out of this lockdown. So, you know, I think our our listeners might be interested to hear some of the differences between playing in Canada and in the states. And I know that you served as president of Cafe, the Canadian Association of Affairs and Expositions. Um, give us your perspective on the industry in Canada and, and perhaps uh, highlight for us how it's different than operating in the States. Well, you know, you know in the United States, I, I've never been able to get, get a good number of how many people attend fairs, but I know it's a substantial number. The CFE did a, did a demographic survey about 15 years ago, and, which proved that there was over 30 million people that go to fairs in Canada, which is you know, out of 37 million people, we're getting over 85% of all Canadians to come to fairs. And it's been really part of our culture here and part of, you know, our, our, our fabric of life in Canada. So I had it to the Canadian fairs. They've done a really, really good job in being able to sustain themselves and also remain viable. And, you know, one of the things we really do in Canada is, is that you know, for a long time, carnivals were, were a place on a fairgrounds where you were given a deemed space and you were allowed to go and do what you do. But in Canada, we've kind of changed the landscape a lot where we really work in conjunction with fairs that we put together an entire package, not a fair package and a separate carnival package. And, you know, I think that, that that's paid off huge dividends for our company. And I urge a lot of people in this industry, you know, to start partnering with your fairs and start thinking about the big picture, not just a uh, little carnival space. And that works in small, medium, and big fairs. 
That's true. Partnership always goes two ways. There's no no question about that, Scoot. I mean, what do you what do you think the future of our industry is? As I indicated earlier, it has deep rooted traditions, and we've contemporized things with you know stuff like ticketing systems. But give me your perspective where you where you think the industry is heading. Well, I'm real. I'm really worried about small fares. You know, small fares across North America are really you know they're having a hard time, and and the big part is because their volunteer base has dried up. So you know, I, I'm going to say in 15 years from now that probably there isn't going to be such a thing as a small fare anymore, and especially a small fare that a carnival is going to be able to track to. And then mid-sized fares, you know, those were the ones that were hit the hardest out of this last pandemic phase. You know, they still got infrastructure to maintain and the small staff, and they're trying to keep their, their operations going, and they just don't have the war chest to do it. So I hope that I hope those fares can survive. And all I can say to them is, you know, get your doors open and see if you can get something going this year, even if it's just a midway, and see if you can put some money back in your pockets. Uh, it seems like big fares are excelling. If you take a look at uh, if you take a look at our big fares on the international unit, that in a short 17-year period that we've increased our revenues by well over 30%. So it seems like bigger fares are being able to attract people and. There's an appetite for that. So I, I remain very hopeful for bigger events, you know, events that attract 500,000 people and up are going to c- continue to do very, very well as time goes along. You're, you're right about the, the smaller fears. It, it is truly a concern. And uh, in certain pockets of, of North America, particularly in the States, you are starting to see some of these fears combined. So you'll take two or three county fairs and combine them into one regionalized fair. And um, I, I agree with that. I think that might be the salvation for, for some of these groups. There's, there's just, it's the smaller carnivals really don't exist anymore that can play these really small events. So, um, you know, the other, and the other thing too is, you know, it's very interesting um, because of the pandemic, uh, the IFE and the OABA have, for, you know, forged a much stronger partnership and uh, we've actually set aside our, uh, our, our lobbyists in Washington uh, to put forth the, the Fair Relief Act, which is uh, in the process right now of garnishing additional support to get through. Because if we don't have our fairs and events, we don't have places to play our big carnivals, Scooter. So I, I, th- I think you nailed it there. So let's, yeah, let's, let's switch back a little bit for a second to the, to the personal side of things. I mean, um, you told me how you got into the industry. I, I don't think you're chasing pretty girls so much. And, and you probably traveled enough in your life with a carnival to uh, could do without that for a little while. But, you know, give us your perspective. You know, the long hours, the, the constant travel, the constant challenges, uh, the, the differences in every, every stop you make. Um, what drives you to stay in the industry? And maybe you can. And if there's something that's really good, maybe you can give some advice to our younger folks to stay in the industry as well. Well, you know, you know, I gotta, I gotta go back to I went to my high school reunion about five, six years ago, and and you know, there was all these great guys I went to school with, you know, and it just didn't turn out well for them, you know, they hated their job, and maybe their marriage wasn't working out very well, and their kids turned out rotten, and those were all the guys at the beginning that were kind of, uh, you know, teasing me, what are you doing with the carnival? What type of dead end job is this? Well, I ended up getting the last laugh out of this, you know, and I, I urge young people. I urge young people to get into this industry because it's exciting, it's vibrant, we've got a great future in front of us. And I can tell you one thing, Greg, if I had to do this all over again, I would in a second, I would not change one single thing. And there's not many of my peers, you know, from when I grew up that can say that. 
you know, the, there's lots of regrets out there. I have none. That, that's fantastic. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing how much the carnival industry and, and the fair industry parallel each other. And, uh, you know, I used to always say, well, well, no, nobody, uh, nobody goes to college to be in the fair industry. And I'm sure that applies to the carnival industry as well. But you actually have educational opportunities. We have college courses now in fair management, which is phenomenal. And, and you'll see our, you know, primarily our third generation carnival folks um, are going off and getting that education and in business and marketing. And, and it's, it's a, it's a pretty heartwarming thing to see the future of, of the carnival, you know, coming through. And I, I, I'm with you. I think the more we can encourage our youth to get involved, the better. And there, there are great opportunities in, in the carnival industry. There's, there's no question about it. Yeah. I always say, I always say, Greg, that we're the lucky ones. That's for sure. You know, I'll give you a, give you Tuesday during setup here in Edmonton as an example is that I wired a plug in a ticket box. I drove forklift to uh, place our ticket boxes. And then in the afternoon I did a national news story with global entertain or with global news, which aired the next day on, on a national TV. So you go from everything from wiring to plug to being on national television Tell me a job that you can find that there there's just isn't a job in our society that you can have that such that diversity and then the excitement every day of waking up i get to wake up today and this afternoon i'm going to entertain 40 or fifty thousand people what's wrong with that yep and and on on top of that you put a lot of smiling faces on kids and families and on top of that in most of the cases you're contributing to the nonprofits in the communities that you're in that are allow them to do good social programs and uh, whatever else that community needs. So, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. And this is a very rewarding career. And I, I, I urge people to get into it. You know, either the fair business or the carnival business, both of them are great. Cool. Well, Scooter, we're getting toward the bewitching hour here. Is there anything else you want to throw into the conversation or, or ask me that um, you just feel like we haven't talked about that's important? But you know, we we just got as an industry, Greg. We we got to forge on. You know, don't don't you guys give up. Maybe there's still some people who are locked down, or maybe having a hard time getting going because they can't find staff, or whatever. All they do is urge you to open up and get going. And the words of uh, FDR was, uh, "Do what you can with what you have where you are." You know, and just keep on going, you guys. And uh, guess what? There's going to be sunnier days ahead. I promise you. That's very true, and I I'd have to admit. Of all the industries in, in North America, ours has to be one of the most resilient and flexible. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but the show must go on and, and we do it every day. We make sure the show goes on. And um, I don't know too many people that are on the road right now and, and making the best of it. So That's great. Well, thank, thanks for inviting me here today. It was a pleasure and uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Absolutely, Scooter. Scooter Korak, North American Midways International Unit. Scooter, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for joining us for Around the Carousel, an OAVA production. To learn more about the Outdoor Amusement Business Association and its mission to promote and preserve the growth of the outdoor amusement industry through leadership, advocacy, and education, please visit us at oaba.org and join us to put the OAVA to work for you.